Hello DC Comics News fans, DC Comics fans, fans of comics, friendly, unfriendly, here to stay, here for a minute, whatever your purpose, your promise, the music brought you in, hopefully the content keeps you around, you've arrived at the DC Comics News Spitter Rack, how do I know this? Well, as your host, it's my job. I'm Seth Singleton, happy to invite you to episode number 72 of the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack, a place outside of time, outside of space, perhaps even outside of existence, but not outside our imaginations, a place we can always go when it's time to be inspired and reminded of all those great things that make it so much better when we do. I love talking to you about the Spinner Rack, my chance to give you my breakdown on the top five books from DC Comics each and every week, each and every time. Let's dive right into my first choice for this week, a five out of five pick, one I'm happy to celebrate with you and share because of all the wonder and brilliance it does. What am I talking about? Well, that would be the Green Lantern season two, issue number seven. Now, let's start out with this glorious cover, Hal wearing his Spectre garb, arms raised, expecting and a gorgeous variant cover who's this all by well let's give you a little bit of a tip and some insight grant morrison providing the amazing script the art the absolutely phenomenal art by liam sharp i can never stop singing his praises love the chance we got to have on an interview with them on the dc comics news weekly podcast special interview great conversation great guy uh, the art that he produces is just phenomenal. Lovely colors by Steve Olaf with letters by Steve Wands, an original cover by Liam Sharp with Laura Martin, and the variant cover by Tony S. Daniel and Tomu Mori. Really lovely stuff going on here. We dive quickly into our story of the Ultra Warrior and the revelation that there are beings outside of our time, our presence. And they made a brief appearance at the end of last issue. If you know about the calamitous events leading to the end of issue number six, well, you're aware that something different occurred with Hal. He's now in a different place, a new place. And because of that, his mission has changed, even though he can't stop thinking about the people he left behind. We take a wonderful journey along with a guide, a perspective, that needs to be attained through observation so that they can, this Gesalt, better understand what they call the divided presence of Hal Jordan. Now, there are things awakening in response to a many end of all ends, destruction of all destructions, finality of all finalities, conflict, one that spreads across all creation, threatening to disintegrate, crumble the very building blocks of matter into inconsequential dust. Quite a threat, quite a challenge. Is Mr. Hal Jordan up to the task? Well, the great thing about this issue is that not only do we get the chance to see Hal be Hal, but we also see that there's a larger narrative, one that takes place outside of his immediate scope, one that he'll begin to understand. But through it, he first has to help those who are journeying with him, his guide, his observer, 
to see that it's not his contradictions that make him who he is. It's his ability to recognize them all as a part of who he is, a part of his core. Now, you can think of core as in C-O-R-E, as in core muscles and foundation, central. But he's speaking of core as in C-O-R-P-S, like the Green Lantern core, like an assemblage, like a multitude, and how that multitude, when united towards a common goal, is not something divided as they claim he is. It is one that is amplified, that is compounded, that is expanded. How Jordan uses this perspective to show that he's not required to simply follow their mission alone, and that he can still fight and protect, or fight for and protect the people, the things he cares about. His compassion is matched only by the warning of his nemesis, one who is equal in determination and resilience, and whose herald, so far, has provided a dangerous counter to Hal Jordan. What will their next conflict create and lead to? Well, last time around, it was something akin to destruction. Our next chapter, the next occurrence, something that is teased as being a war with the anti-world, is an issue and a story. We're going to have to wait until issue number eight comes around. One I look forward to potentially sharing with you here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 72. This five out of five book is a great way to start things off and certainly provides the inspiration, the motivation, the drive to take us into my second choice. So what exactly are we talking about for that second choice? Well, I decided to take a look at Joker, Harley, Criminal Sanity, number five. I was not disappointed, and I think the story I'm about to tell you about will provide a great deal of satisfaction for you. That's right, we wrapped up Green Lantern Season 2, Issue number 7, with a 5 out of 5. We're diving right in to Joker, Harley, Criminal Sanity, Issue number 5. Now for a quick refresh, Issue number 4 ended with Harley facing off against the very prey that she's been hunting. Now the roles are reversed, and I'm reminded of some great things that Cami Garcia told us in her interview, one that we potentially will have a chance to follow up on, if news from DC Comics News, Editor-in-Chief Josh Rayner is soon to come to fruition, the possibility of not only Cami Garcia, but perhaps one more guest on a follow-up interview. This is a woman who described to us previously how a relationship with her father, who understood the dangers for his daughter as a police officer, gave her all the incentive and instruction necessary to find and figure out the ways to get herself out of trouble should she ever find herself in it. We get a chance to see some of that on display in these early pages. And what that experience and motivation does for a character like Harley Quinn, the one she's writing. Kimmy Garcia's amazing storytelling is matched by the lovely art from Miko Suwayan and Jason Bador. Colors mixed with these lovely shades of black, white, and gray. Lovely just contrast throughout. Annette Kwok providing the colors that break this up, provide the, the spark and the tinge to moments like Joker's hair and his smile, uh, to the way that blood looks when it's suddenly illuminated across the page that's up until now only black and white. 
We've got great letters by Richard Starkings and comic crafts Tyler Smith. Something that really helps to evoke two different experiences when reading the dialogue of Harley Quinn and Joker. And it really sinks you into the concept, much like we've seen in the past with Hal Jordan and Green Lantern, a police procedural. In Criminal Sanity, you get the chance to see the deductive police procedural aspect, one which relies on the best understanding we have of forensic science, behavioral science, and the application of it when hunting a criminal. Now, Harley can't let on that she was in a situation where the menace, someone she hasn't quite termed the Joker yet, has turned the tables on her. And through that, what this means to keep this a secret from Gordon and the police, while also knowing that by doing so, she is potentially prolonging the time frame from now to when she and the police could potentially bring in a serial killer, one who has masterminded some devilish displays of savagery, and who is now about to unleash the next chapter of this saga, one that is really, I mean, there are moments that I wish I could describe without giving them away, and yet the importance and the value is one that has to be experienced and should not be diluted with any forewarning or preview. For that, I simply say that if you've been reading Criminal Sanity, you know the savagery that has been displayed thus far. And if you haven't, even so, know that the experience, the shock, the overall visceral qualities that go with turning the page and taking in these images is very powerful and something that should not be, again, uh, taken away from by anything, let alone a spoiler. Allow me to simply say it is another example of the craft and the thinking and that along the way, we are also uncovering through experiences, notes, files, and memories, just what it is that brought Joker down this path, which is so reminiscent of serial killers and those who would be described as sociopaths are often known to traverse on a journey from beginning inexperience to confidence and eventual brutal methodical execution. It really creates the tension that is so powerful when these elements are conveyed, not only through great writing, but the masterful art. And as I mentioned before, the lettering, which does a great job of providing two different dialogues within the same space, all during the same scene, contradicting, leveraged, weighed, and more importantly, part of a psychological combat, a battle of wills and wits, and one that plays out masterfully on the page. I highly encourage this great five out of five book, Joker Harley, Criminal Sanity number five. Stay tuned to the end for all the ways you can let me know whether you agree or disagree with my picks. Those were my first two, which means it's time for an ad break. We're going to step away fill you in on all the great things going on and coming up here at DC Comics News and then come right back for issues or choices number three, four, and five here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 72.
Thanks for all your patience. We will be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup. A Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat on me, nards. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. You're still there, we're still here. Look at that, we're back from the ads. It's an opportunity for us to wrap up episode number 72 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack with my third, fourth, and fifth choices. It's been exciting from fandom to so much more. I can't wait to explore what's coming up next. DC Comics News Editor-in-Chief Josh Rayner. He has a way of bringing up the best surprises. What's in store? Stay tuned. Really, it's about to get fun. Third choice on this issue edition episode, 
That third choice for me is Justice League Odyssey number 24, one of my favorite books. It's one that I was so happy to find out I had the chance to review for DC Comics News. I can't stop raving, glowing, celebrating the amazing writing by Dan Abnett. Great characters like Jessica Cruz, amazing art by Cliff Richards, colors by Rain Barreto, and world design with the letters. Really, Landrone with the cover and Scan with the variant cover. I love the original cover, Cyborg, his back to us, the horror on his face as the memory of who he was witnesses the, the terror that Cyborg is still upon and a puppet of Darkseid. Now, being a new god doesn't have all disadvantages. There is something of Victor still alive in there, something that Jessica was able to impact when she made a little jaunt through time, which is actually where she met the very intriguing Gamma Knife at a different time, one that was actually a true thread of history that was manipulated by Epoch, who brought her to his time as part of his goals, yet at the same time, depriving her of the finality that might have happened with her timeline should have been allowed to play out and the quandary, the paradox that she is now placed within. A recognition that everything, even the partner she once knew, has been reconfigured to this new environment. You'll have to read for yourself about that part. It's really a lovely writing choice, a lovely storytelling moment, and one that recognizes just how many possibilities can be introduced into a story that continues to show us such wonder and I think overall recognition that almost anything is possible when you give it the right story to make it not only believable but acceptable, enjoyable, and enviable. This is a story I wish I wrote. I would love to say that this was something I was a part of. I've loved the development of each character, the story of this core off on its own mission, the trials and tribulations, and all while so much more is occurring back on Earth in the midst of upheaval and conflicts ranging beyond Justice Doom, uh, everything that we've seen from Leviathan, and so much more. It, <laughs> it always makes me wonder about the relevance of this story, and yet the great thing is the relevance, of the, the relevance of this story has to do with the characters who started it, who will finish it, their story, their journey together, what it means for those who started this mission, believe in it still, and those who have been lost along the way, and what that loss and importance has for this team is one that comes into greater focus when we realize that Victor can have a duality. He can still be subject to Darkseid and yet able to deny Darkseid as the term has come to be known. And with that, employ a misdirection, a diversion, one that might buy the team the moments it needs to stop the plan that Epoch had in place to rewrite history through his revision mechanism, one that is now in the hands of Darkseid and only moments away completing his goal to rewrite all of history with his anti-life designs, remaking our universe into an apocalyptic nightmare. How do we bring ourselves to a conclusion? 
We don't actually, but what we do set up is a great potential conclusion, one that uses time travel and the elements of what we know to be some of the most dangerous actions you can take when it comes to time travel and why those suddenly become possible, plausible, and vital to a play that feels as much like a Hail Mary as it does one final last charge of the Light Brigade. I really love this feeling of we have nothing left to lose, let's try everything. And also a few great moments as characters from one time meet with others, the way they can challenge, question, and more importantly, encourage. It's really something that spins us toward a great cataclysmic confrontation, and I'm looking forward to reading and sharing with you when we get to Justice League Odyssey, issue number 25. Number 24 was a 5 out of 5 book for me, and one that I am happy to talk about with you and list here today as my third choice. But we move now into my fourth. Ah, this one is an intriguing possibility. And it all stems from the fact that so much has come with Dark Knight's death metal. I mean, so much had already come with Dark Knight's metal. And now with death metal, the the range of story that Scott Snyder is able to conceive and then execute and the way it brings so many characters into play it's it's fairly impressive to sort of scroll through each page as the action continues to ramp up as the intrigue as the danger as so much more continues to escalate with this continued feeling that things can only get Worse, it looks like. Every option, every choice, countered, mastered. And because of that, Earth's greatest heroes, the universe's most hopeful potential, feels in so many ways to be squandering what could be a fighting chance against an enemy that is so far advanced in plotting prediction, scope, and scale. And now that the one who laughs, this evolution of the Batman who laughs, merged with Dr. Manhattan, wow. I mean, writer Scott Snyder is really crafting just this snowballing avalanche of a story. Great art by Francis Manipal with colors by Ian Herring, Tom Napolitano with the letters, Manipal providing the original cover and the variant cover by Kyle Hotz. Both are gorgeous. I mean, <laughs> there's something just wonderfully epic and uh, heroically super heroic about the variant. But the story within spins us further through the idea of what these crises mean and what that term can become depending on who's interpreting it. For the heroes, it's a challenge of everything that they are, about everything that they try to do. And an example of all of the times, as is suggested by a discovery of a dark god, who says that these are evidence that everything the heroes are doing is actually a failure, and that it, each crisis is a consequence of that failure and an example of the culmination of those failures into one cataclysmic moment. 
somehow the heroes have always overcome. And they're relying on that hope, that reminder, that promise, that history. And yet, they're facing off against a figure who has the ability to manipulate space and time from its very infinitesimal moments and therefore infect its core like a drop of ink in the ointment, something that can, through its very presence, pollute, erode, and corrupt. And what that discovery looks like as it's been put in place and as it's later discovered by the heroes provides a lot of questions about how it is that they can even try and mount a response or a comeback against what appears to be something that's insurmountable. But these are the heroes who have always come through. And one of the things I keep in mind after our great conversation with Scott Snyder is how this is all part of his mythology. Myths do not always end with everyone coming out on top. There are trials, tribulations, travails, and usually there are sacrifices and suffering. We are in the midst of these moments when hope is possible, hope is lost, and then hope must be regained. And while there are great challenges to Trinity Crisis number one, it does also provide for us an introduction to what the terms will look like when it continues this storyline into Dark Knight's death metal number four. We've also had recent news that there will be three more one-shots spinning out of this death metal crossover. How much further we can twist, pull, and tear this story and yet somehow have it be a complete thread and patchwork at the end? It's going to be a really interesting discovery and one that might require some rereadings when it's all said and done. Will it wrap up by Christmas? Is it a present we can enjoy for the holiday? We're getting closer. Only time will tell. A great 5 out of 5 choice for me on, really, this was my fourth pick <laughs> on this episode of The Spinner Rack, which means it's time to get to my fifth and final pick of this episode. I really loved part one of Seems Like Old Times, this story from Robert Venditti, who has done things with Hawkman that I don't know why they were never considered before, but I love the fact that he's the one not only to have considered them, but now to employ them in his writing, in his storytelling. He's matched by the wonder of the pencils from Fernando Passerin with inks by Eau Claire Albert and Wade Vaughn Grawbadger with colors by Jeremy Cox, letters by Rob Lay, a gorgeous cover by Michele Yannan, and variant cover by Gerardo Zaffino and Rain Barreto. The original cover, a gorgeous snapshot, marred by some blood and tragedy of the Justice Society of America. The variant featuring the regal, sort of righteous, and determined actions of Shire, and in front of them rising the just purely feral masculinity of Hawkman. Really some gorgeous stuff here. How it is that you don't buy both, it's always a question and a challenge. Sometimes it's about budget, sometimes it's just about accepting that there are things more important than money, sometimes even more so than food. I always love the story about the writer who said, with my money, I buy books. 
and with the change I buy food. <laughs> Maybe it's all about what feeds you, body and or soul, heart and or mind. The heart and mind of Hawkman and Shire have always been united in a path of redemption that has brought them to a moment when they can finally live a last life, one that now appears to be taking place in the Justice Society, one of their favorite moments, as Carter suggests, he's fought along every roster of every team imaginable, and in his opinion, the original is still the best. The team striking out, lashing against legendary foes like the Gambler, like Vandal Savage, like the Magician, um, the Thinker, and so many other classic figures. And because of that, we not only get to see them at their height, taking on the greatest of challenges, displaying the qualities that Carter is able to recognize and then share with us. But then through that, there's also a mystery. Why has something changed for Carter and Shire? Is it the reality that this is their last life, that their immortality can come crashing to an end just as suddenly as it might have in the past, only this time, for one final time. It, it really creates a complexity, one that features issues of doubt and confusion that are not usually part of Hawkman's identity. And yet, because of all the things he's gone through and the lessons he's learned and the doubts that they have created, he knows something is different. Now, could this in fact be tied to the revelation that an ancient enemy is awakened and stirring and plotting to make its move regarding Carter and Shaira's possible final timeline? There's a lot to enjoy here, the history, the perspective, and the complexity now sort of warring within Hawkman. Shaira can see it. His team can sense it. What he's going to do about it is something I know Robert Venditti will use to remind, inspire, and reward us, as he has so far and with such great ability throughout this Hawkman series. Hawkman number 27, my fifth and final choice, here on the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack, episode number 72. With that, I am happy to say thank you for joining me for this episode. Like every episode, it's always a treasure to have you with me, a pleasure and an honor to share my picks with you, and I look forward to hearing from you about where I got it right, when I got it wrong, or anything else you'd like to include along the way. Now, how can you do that? We're on all the big social media channels, and you can find DC Comics News as a whole all you need is the at symbol in DC Comics News. It's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Tag us, let us know what you're thinking, and we'll all get a chance to see your message and give us, or give you, our thoughts and feedback. Gives us a chance to get to know you a little bit better, talk about all the things we love, like great comics, great stories, great characters, and the great moments we get to share because of them. Now, if you want to find me individually, I'm Seth Singleton, one more Singleton on Twitter, Seth the Writer on Instagram, or just type in Seth Singleton and the words story or storyteller into a search engine, 
Let me know what you find, what you're thinking, anything else you'd like to talk about. Now, keep in mind also the Spinner Rack is just one of many shows. So I encourage you, if you haven't yet, please make sure whatever platform you're listening to that you've hit the subscribe button. We're on all the big ones, so you can tell your friends to check us out on Google, Apple, Stitcher, and more. And we're on all of your favorite platforms, big or small. Just make sure you hit subscribe so you catch every new episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. A uh, really great chance to catch up on all the news in movies, television, streaming, comics, and more. Plus, you'll get the chance to catch original programming like I Am The Night, the episode-by-episode breakdown by Mr. Steve J. Ray, a in-depth look at each episode of the legendary Batman the Animated Series. Plus, there's the irreverent look at Harley Quinn, the DC Universe original, Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, a Baudry, and or a body and somewhat wild and wondrous look, uncensored, at a show that refuses to censor itself. So much more is on the way, like Tropesville and Felicky Fashions. You'll want to make sure you catch the debut and every episode that follows by subscribing now. Of course, we'll be here each and every week. I look forward to joining you for episode number 73 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Until then, a great reminder when there's reasons to stay inside, and that is to always read more comics. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.